Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, Channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. Good evening to everybody out there. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John Fugelsang. Here in Manhattan, New York City, Thea is producing us from Brooklyn. Chris, our executive producer, is down in South Carolina. And for the next couple hours, we're going to be with you right here on Channel 127 at 866-997-4748. We would love to hear from you. I am so excited for this installment of The Non-Experts. We have two of my favorite people who are both funny and brilliant and more attractive than me. Y'all know Jody Hamilton, if you listen to The Stephanie Miller Show, or if you subscribe to her excellent podcast, From the Bunker. She is so good on pop culture and politics and is consistently the smartest and, and the cutest in the room. Ms. Hamilton, welcome back. Thank you for having me back, John. Thank you for being had. I'm so pleased to introduce you to the man, the legend, Mr. Adam Sank, who has been many things in my life, a great comedian, a terrific broadcaster and podcaster. The website is adamsank.com and you can find him on most of the socials at Adam Sank. We are in a nonstop lifelong quest to coax Adam to do more stand up. Adam Sank, welcome back and welcome back to the U.S. I enjoyed all of your uh, Europe photo trips. Bonjour. Yes, I uh, was recently in Paris for a week for the very first time. Um, I had a wonderful time and I learned the most important word you have to know in French if you want to get around Paris. And that word is they do that a lot. Yes. <laughs> what is that? It's a, it's a standard reaction in, in mm -hmm. France to, you know, if you say something, they just go. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's good to know. I, yeah, I, it's all part of I, the I, attitude. I thought, I thought it was all the, the standard reaction was, <laughs> but that's, that's another one. Probably just the kind of films I watch. I'm glad you're back and I'm glad you're both here. It was a kind of an insane week in the news. We're all a little traumatized from all this. I want to begin by saying Tim Scott has just filed paperwork to uh, spend $22 million to try to audition in public to be the vice presidential running mate of either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. That's all this is about. We, we know that it's a two beast race. And Ron DeSantis really seems to be getting into this. He's going to announce officially next week. And, you know, we can talk about how he just passed this draconian trans bathroom ban to show the Christians how cruel he can be. Disney just pulled a multi-billion dollar office complex out of his state to show how bad he is at business. But what concerns me the most about Ron DeSantis is he seems so smugly, eerily confident that he can defeat Trump. It's gotten me a little worried. I want to open it up to you guys and see what your thoughts are. Jody, are you a fan of the DeSantis show? We're going to have to watch nonstop for the next year. It'll be fun to watch him and Donald go at each other. But he reminds me of Scott Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just, I he just is not ready for prime time. He's not ready. For, I mean, the fact that apparently his slogan is going to be make America Florida is hilarious <laughs> um, uh, because honestly, anybody outside of Florida does not want to move there now. So the fact of the matter is, I believe remember Scott Walker was the wunderkind at one point and then, you know, that's um, right. And you said on, he's you said Scott on Walker of Rick Perry's. There you go. And he you said this morning that Chris Christie's probably going to throw his hat in. He scares me because he could actually win. 
Yes. I actually think Chris Christie is the real dark horse in this race. I, I when Chris Christie did this show, he kept saying to me, I was going to go there and do what Trump did. But then he came and, and, and did it better. And now it mm -hmm. seems that Chris Christie, who believes in nothing, <laughs> supported Trump all the way. Now it seems like Chris Christie is going to turn that on Trump. And he's already got the endorsement of Anthony Scaramucci. So that's some real star power <laughs> uh, on, on his side. Um, Adam, what's, what's your take on where DeSantis is? I, I was convinced he was going to have this thing a year ago. I'm not so sure now. It, it does seem, though, that he seems to know something about Trump being prosecuted. The rest of us don't. You know, my days of predicting what Republican voters will and won't do or who they will and won't support, those days are over. I, I have absolutely no way of knowing what is in the mind of, of MAGA nation. Uh, the fact that they still support Trump, that they laugh when Trump makes fun of raping a woman that he raped, that, that you know, there, there literally is nothing he can do to lose their support. That leads me to believe that no matter what, unless he is behind bars, uh, or dead, which is what I pray for every morning when I wake up, that he will be the nominee. I don't see how he won't be. DeSantis is terrifying to me simply in what he's getting away with down in Florida. Um, he is yeah. turning uh, a very large state. You know, this isn't Alabama or Arkansas. You know, no, uh, my apologies to anyone who lives there, but these are much smaller states that are sort of easier to ruin. But yes, what he's doing down in Florida <laughs> in terms of rolling back decades of progress for LGBTQ people is terrifying. Do you know that uh, pride celebrations across Florida are now being canceled because yeah. the organizers are afraid of being arrested if there are drag queens dancing on a float? We are now yep. at a point where you can be arrested because you show people wearing a silly costume dancing. That's where mm -hmm. we are in 2023 in America. Oh, can I just say it's worse than that, though, with this ridiculous, cruel bill he just signed, which, again, improves the lives of zero of people no in one. Florida, helps access to health care or education, not at all, makes people no more safe from crime, doesn't do anything about climate change or COVID. But adults can now be arrested if they don't use the bathroom that matches the gender they were assigned at birth. So I guess all those women on long lines at concerts who go in the men's room better watch out. But it's even worse than that, because this bill would let the state have the power to take children away from their parents if those are trans children who are receiving gender affirming care. I don't know which is the greatest hypocrisy with Ron DeSantis, guys, that he was the one throughout COVID saying, you can't tell parents to make their kids wear a mask. Parents should decide their own health choices for their kids. And now he wants the government to steal children over mm -hmm. parents' private health care. Or is he the pro-business guy who's now trying to punish a private corporation because of free speech. It's just, it seems, Jody, like the opposition research is writing itself. It, it really does. And it, did you see uh, Caitlyn Jenner's interview on Fox the other day? I tried believe to I missed stay it? away from Caitlyn Jenner and Fox. <laughs> I don't blame you, but I caught it. I think Aaron Rupert posted some videos or something on Twitter, but she um, basically was talking about this trans student at a university wanting to join a sorority, I believe it was. And she called that trans woman <laughs> a male predator. So Caitlin, don't go to Florida and use the ladies room because you will get wow. arrested because I've seen her use the ladies room at Casa Vega here in L.A. So trust me, she uses the ladies room. So, I mean, the, the insanity that she is she's anti-trans yet she is I, I just don't get it i i will never get it who cares especially in ladies rooms you got stalls in ladies rooms nobody's seeing nobody's junk in a ladies room trust me caitlin caitlin jenner is the candace owens of the queer community just as yeah. candace owens spends every day of her life working to preserve white supremacy caitlin jenner makes sure that hatred and discrimination against trans people persists and it is so it is so vile I don't understand how I mean, I get I get that there's money, but I don't see how people can just sell their souls and be so oh, cruel really. I do. So evil. I do. I do. Let me let me tell you, first off, Caitlyn Jenner is the ultimate. Like, I can't understand why Republicans wouldn't love her because she's everything they want in a GOP voter. She's old. She's rich. And she doesn't have a uterus. So that that's everything and they she's want. White. Right? Um, but and she's, white, and she's yeah. white. But what. What it's all about is the performative cruelty. Who knows 
if Ron DeSantis really hates trans children as much as he pretends to, the cynical gamble the Republican Party has had my whole life since Falwell going after the gays. It's always been, let's take a disenfranchised, marginalized minority. Maybe it's Muslims one year, undocumented the next year, gay couples who want to marry the next year. Let's take a group. Immigrants. Power. Let's Mm -hmm. immigrants, always immigrants. Let's demonize them. Let's get people real women on welfare. Let's get people really scared of this powerless group. And let's sell us as the only people who can protect you from this existential threat. They sell the anger. They sell the fear. And they do nothing for the hardworking, conservative, gullible white people. They terrorize with this bullshit. Who knows what DeSantis really thinks? I think the only thing worse than cruelty is performative cruelty to appeal to shitty people. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's cruelty either way. It's soullessness either way. I always say this because sometimes people do the opposite. They look at somebody who is donating a lot of money to a good cause or tweeting about something and they'll say, oh, they're just being performative. They're just being a social right. justice warrior. And I always say, yeah, I don't Virtue care. Signaling. I don't care what their <laughs> motivations are. If you're doing something good, I thank you exactly. for it. If you're doing something bad, I I, I chastise you for it. I'm I'm not interested in what what their inner motivations are. I'm interested in what the impact is going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm just so you know, I, I believe that Ron DeSantis is vice signaling and I believe he is vice. So it's all at the same time. But I mean, well, there Jody, is some good news it, out of Jacksonville, though. Jacksonville yes. elected a female Democrat. They've never they haven't had a Democratic mayor in 150 years or like 30 or 40 years. So that is really, really yeah. good news because Jacksonville is very conservative. So that was a good sign that Florida right. voters are turning on the anti-abortion, the voter suppression, all the things that DeSantis supports, they're turning on him. So this is That's, good news for, for at least I'd Jacksonville. I'd like to think that there's a tipping point, right? I mean, we saw in the midterms, uh, everybody was predicting massive defeats for, for Democrats all over the country. And in fact, Democrats kept the Senate, gained a seat, and almost kept the House in a year where they were predicted to be slaughtered. I do think it's gone too far. And, and, and sort of the average mainstream American who isn't necessarily involved in politics, doesn't love either party, but they're like, whoa, That's right. this is too much. You're, you're now banning abortion. You're banning books. You're canceling you know, American history. We can no longer teach uh, slavery. We can't teach what <laughs> happened. Like there comes a point where people just go, this is insane. And I thought after the midterms, Republicans would back off. And be like, okay, we're not quite as insane. No, they doubled down. I thought and after hoping- Romney they would back off. I thought after Romney they would back off, but they can't because they're too thirsty. They keep going for the most rabid part of the base all the time, the most lowest common denominator. How do we clinch the nomination? How are we meaner than Trump? And they haven't yet realized that Americans, especially all the young ones and women who are going to damn sure be showing up to vote this year after Roe v. Wade, don't go for that shit. Ron DeSantis' six-week abortion ban is opposed by over 70% of Florida residents. These guys don't yeah. care. They can't They can't see beyond their next meal. Yeah. So what is the right. strategy? What is he thinking? What is Trump thinking? What what are Republican leaders thinking as they continue to press forward with this radical agenda? Uh, they're they're going to rely on voter suppression in swing states. That's it. They know they can't win with democracy and they know they don't need to win with democracy anymore. What they're doing in mm-hmm. Florida, what they're doing in Georgia, letting Republican dominated legislatures have the power on election night to throw out entire county votes if they think Something might have been askance there. They are setting up so many ways to rig it. Voter ID is only one tiny piece, getting rid of drop boxes, anything they can do a little bit here, a little bit there to make it harder to exercise your right to vote. That's what they're well, doing. Superville the said it the other day. Let's stop voting. Let's not have elections anymore. Yeah. Vivek says, well, let's raise the voting age to 21 or 25. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. rental car age. I mean, and it's crazy. They're already old enough to work and have jobs and pay taxes, but not to have representation. And have babies that they don't want. Uh, and be forced to have babies that they don't want mm-hmm. and be forced to have babies if they were raped that they don't mm-hmm. want. Because let's be honest, mm-hmm. a lot of this, a lot of this is a white power structure trying to keep their numbers up because they know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in this country around 2045. Well, and it's also Mm -hmm. men wanting to preserve their right to rape women. Mm -hmm. You know, this has always been this has never been about unborn babies. They don't give a shit about unborn babies. We want you want to talk about motivation. It's always been about controlling women, having power over women and especially having power over women's bodies. 
Mm-hmm. Preach. If they cared about Amen. unborn babies, they would do something about climate change. And if they cared about abortion and guns, they'd fight for birth control and they'd fight for access to birth control and for sex ed in school. They don't care about yeah. any of it. You're exactly right. They care about power. And this is what the think tanks tell them is you, what you have to do to get the votes. And I'll that's how you, you get the power. Diane Feinstein is so concerned about this that she just opened both of her eyes for a moment. <laughs> She's helping to get more judges on the bench. So this is a good thing that she's back to work on the days that she gets out of bed. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about it, because this is this is the real struggle. And let's just talk about overdosing on metaphor. I mean, what the Democratic Party is dealing with with Senator Feinstein. Look, I've I've criticized her my whole life. The Iraq war, you know, all the money, the very shady investments she and her husband have made. I'm right there with you. But. On this count, Adam, what I'm struggling with is maybe she's there because she wants to be. Maybe she's there because even though she's 147 years old, she has the agency. And here's the thing. I don't think that and there's a lot of it sketch with Nancy Pelosi's daughter and all this other stuff. But and maybe they're trying to there's a lot of talk that they're just trying to rig the seat for Adam Schiff to get it. So so, you know, the other candidates won't have a shot. But if Dianne Feinstein were to resign. I don't think the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee would ever allow a replacement to be seated and they would then block the rest of Biden's judicial nominations for two years. I've come to believe and I I came to believe this last month and I hate it, but that that 89 year old woman coming back is the only way any of Biden's judge picks get confirmed. So maybe just saying maybe she's doing it because she wants to. And this is her career. Go I'm ahead. fairly certain that's not procedurally possible or legally possible that they can filibuster. They can stop. They can stop putting somebody on that committee if they so desire. And that's but not Democrats she offered. She offered the committee. To, no, 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 but they're not. They can't. The Republicans can block it. Diane Feinstein said she was willing to let Schumer appoint someone to fill in for her. And the Republicans blocked mm-hmm. the measure. Right. They but can, that's no. because she was it would be somebody who wasn't it, it would be it would be a different senator as opposed no, to no, no, her no, no. replacement. No, 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 it, it, no, that's not, that's not what um, but, I believe. But, right, but the same, it could still be the case. They, they could still filibuster and block a, a replacement if someone yeah, was could. appointed. But I don't yeah, know if that's, that's the, the reason. That's just a hypothesis. But the, I, I can't deny the fact that what happened to her was much worse than shingles. And obviously shingles can lead to a lot of different obviously. things. We've heard everything from rumors of a stroke to possible facial paralysis. I think as long as she's there, people are going to be saying that, She's there against her will or it's elder abuse, no matter what what I think is happening. The New York Times has been going very hard in their reporting about this. And yesterday's story about how this is much worse than we had heard. There's encephalitis. You know, she's she's very demented. This is all being leaked by her own staff and and her own Mm. family. I suspect that people are really that she will not listen to anyone around her who says, Diane, this is not good for you. This is not good for the country. You must resign. And she's the only thing she can say is no. You know, there was a joke in the Times article that people say she'll consider resigning when she's dead. She she will not go. And I think she is demented. And I think they are trying everything they can, including leaking this to the Times to push her out. And it's a very sad situation. Listen, I think Diane Feinstein has done way more good than bad in her lifetime, um, particularly, uh, you know, in, in San Francisco in the early days. She's a hero to the LGBT community. Completely agree. And it's not about being 89. I know 89 year olds who could absolutely do the job. It's about being very, very ill and cognitively if, I, not being you, all but, there. But let, let you sexism and ageism aside, because, you know, we, we said this about Strom Thurmond when he was 100 years old, being wheeled around like Hannibal Lecter. But there, there's also let me be a, a good politically correct woke liberal here and say, what about the ableist angle? I mean, what if she does have a disability, but what if she's still at age 89, has the agency to say, in spite of all of this, I want to go to work. The voters elected me and you can't stop me. I mean, isn't that a valid argument? I think, well, Jody, you answer that. I don't well, think it's okay, a good so argument, but isn't it? Valid? It's not a, go ahead, It's Jody. not necessarily a good argument, but but I, I do believe that that even if she has all these problems, just like John Fetterman has problems after his stroke, Correct. who is a much Correct. younger human being, um, if her if she has agency, which it seems like, I mean, she just confirmed one of the first black women judges like yesterday. Um, That's right. I don't know what circuit it was, but, you know, she was there and she put her vote in. Now, um, she has to be on the floor to do it. Nobody else can do it for her. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this backlog 
Um, yeah. So I, I believe she has the agency. It just might. She looks very frail. She absolutely looks frail. She does. She does There's not look no well. doubt in my mind. My my aunt years ago, she had a stroke. Complete agency couldn't speak well, but she knew what Same she was doing. You know, Same so it's like it's it's very difficult. We don't know. Ms. We don't know the senator personally. I've never met her. I wish that if they appointed somebody, if Gavin Newsom appointed somebody, that that person could immediately take her seat. But I believe the rules prevent that because the GOP will not allow that to happen. Therefore, we've got problems. Should a Supreme Court seat all of a sudden come up in the next year and a half? Oh, my God. I kind of feel like all the arguments we've made have can all be true at the same time with this. (laughs) But but it, it is. I still want to talk to a constitutional lawyer about whether or not Republicans who are in the minority can block someone from a Judiciary Committee appointment. I don't they can understand. Filibuster. It's a rule in the Senate. There's, they it's don't have the numbers the to Senate. filibuster, John. It takes yeah, two they do. They need filibuster. No, 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 not that. No, 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 they don't. They no, don't, no, no, they, it doesn't take that many. No, I mean, no, I mean, they have. I mean, filibuster is why we can't have paid parental leave. I mean, yeah, and it's also it's, it's one also, person you know, can filibuster. But you know what? In talking about in talking about very simple procedural solutions to complex problems, can I shift it to the Fourteenth yes. Amendment? Because uh, I, I can't believe we have to talk about the fucking debt ceiling again. When we're dying and we're old and our lives are flashing before our eyes, it's going to be a drag to remember every time we had to talk about raising the debt ceiling. Now um, they did it eighteen times for Reagan, seven times for Bush, three times for Trump, but now it's a problem. And at least six Democratic senators are circulating this letter calling on Joe Biden to just invoke the 14th Amendment, which says you have to do it. Debt limit is unconstitutional um, and uh, not all Dems are on board with it, but the pressure is being applied. Joe Biden's actually trying to play this a different way, saying we're not discussing the debt ceiling. We're discussing the budget because he's acting like there's no conflict here. I I get both approaches playing the press. Yeah, I, think I think he's so playing too. the press on that. I think I think he's very willing to invoke the 14th Amendment and go sue me. And then yeah. it's up to the Supreme Court whether or not we default. So, hi, I don't think I as as fucked up as the Supreme Court is, I don't think they want to do that. Um, so, I mean, they've still got problems from Bush v. Gore. So I don't think they want to put the <laughs> world into a worldwide depression. So um, I think that's in his back pocket. I know that that there is a discharge petition being sent around the house. They need five GOP members to do that, to raise the debt limit cleanly. And that is being circulated right now. And there are Republicans that are willing to do it. They can do it. The Democrats might say um, McCarthy in this. um, Well, that's that's the other big rumor. Yeah. Political reported this week. And it was crazy that the moderate Democrats have made a deal with with McCarthy that since McCarthy's a moron and made it Mm -hmm. a new rule that one member of the caucus can demand a new speaker vote instead of a majority of a party. If McCarthy goes ahead and raises the debt ceiling and then a Matt Gates or someone tries to replace him, that the Democrats will come and have his back and keep him in the speaker job, which sounds like the most Joe Manchin thing I've ever heard. Adam, I'm already tired of this subject. I mean, they're going to do it right. It's so infuriating, yeah. you know, that that they hold the full faith and credit of, of the United States hostage every time there's a Democrat in office and and that the American people don't punish them for it enough, that the American people don't even understand what this is about and that we're talking about money that's already been voted mm-hmm. on, already been approved, already been spent. Uh, I don't know what should happen. I, don't, I mean, listen, my gut is always I wish the Democrats would act like Republicans. I wish they would just <laughs> stop being such pussies and be like, hey, fuckers, you're not going to do this. You're a bunch of terrorists. 14th Amendment, putting you in prison, whatever. Just act like Trump. Pretend that you're Donald Trump and say whatever he would say and do whatever he would do and damn the consequences. I wish that we had more Democrats like that. We had one in Cuomo, and unfortunately, yeah. he was too big a creep to stay in office, but we need that kind of personality. You think Newsom is that kind? Of, is Gavin Newsom that kind of Democrat? Perhaps. I don't know. Maybe. But but then on I mean, but then the other side he's of me. He's got some alpha. But then the other yeah, side of me Jared says Brown. don't don't discount Joe Biden's legendary negotiating skills. I you agree. Know, I agree. Biden may not be impressive at the podium, but he's magic at the conference table. And maybe he's got Ooh. he maybe he knows exactly what he's doing, and we should just relax and let it play out. I don't know. It, By the it way, I, 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 
I'm with you, but I think I actually think Biden is impressive at the podium. I think every time Biden goes to the podium, old man Joe, 80 year old Joe, it's like when the band does the acoustic set somehow he gets the entire room to quiet down and be at his level. Yeah. At the first few, you're like, wow, I'm not used to hearing a person on my TV talk this slowly and with such measured foresight. But then within 30 seconds, I'm in his groove. He he can do it, man. He, he creates the okay. ambiance. Well, I'm it's hoping true. that when when the Democrats take over the House and the Senate and, and retain the White House in 24, that they raise the debt limit to a hundred trillion dollars so we don't have to fucking go through this anytime soon or just get rid of it. Legislatively, get rid of it. It's just a law. 100%. Yeah, it's one of the two would be pro, great. It's a stupid pro forma vote, right? It has mm -hmm. to happen. And it started so before, the, because of World War One. That's that's why it began. It was to raise money for World War One. So let's just remove it yeah. along with the ability for out, them to overturn an election. That shouldn't be a thing either. Mm -hmm. Why these people are still allowed to serve after trying to do that is beyond me. I just want to point out there's one other way we didn't even mention. Joe Biden still is allowed to have the Treasury mint a trillion dollar coin and then just drop it off and pay our debts. And I wish he would do it. I just want him to carry the coin in his pocket for like a month. I want him to end every speech by holding up and saying, don't make me use it, bitches. Don't make me use it. And then leave the stage. He would win by double digits. OK, we got to take a quick break. You guys can stick with us. We'll be right yes. back. Yeah. This is Sirius XM Progress. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Welcome back. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fiegelsang here with our end of week panel of non-experts solving all the world's problems. Uh, this week, it's more of a salon, more of a clutch than a, than, a, than a panel. I'm joined by the great Jody Hamilton. Listen to the From the Bunker podcast and the great Adam Sank, one of my favorite comedians and podcasters, even when he's not doing either one of those things. Guys, let me let me bring up something that maybe you'll care about. Maybe you won't. But uh, we talk a lot about how much the workplace has changed post-COVID, how all these corporations are paying all this money for square footage of office space and now realizing they don't need it, and how everything from the way we work to the way houses are designing are being changed because of COVID and remote work. And now several school districts are experimenting with shorter weeks and later start times. Uh, the pandemic exposed a mental health crisis among kids and teens, so some districts are trying to alleviate burnout by starting school later. The AP had a whole story that said that uh, classes that start later in the morning are giving kids and teenagers more time to sleep, and it boosts their well-being and even um, makes bullying levels go down. And uh, nationally, 850 school districts in this country have dropped school on Fridays. It was 650 before the pandemic, and now it's 850. I don't really have a problem with this, having gone through a year of uh, remote learning with my horrible child. But what are, what are your opinions on it, Jody? Well, I mean, 
I'm an early riser. So for me, that wouldn't be a thing. I'd be like, can I just get there and then get home? Like, can I go at seven o'clock and be home by two? That's me. Um, but I get that because when you're a kid, especially teenagers, they sleep, you know, 15 hours a day and um, they need that because their their literal bones are going, you know, they're stretching as they sleep. So there's a lot of things going on in their bodies and they need that rest. I think like nine to five might be the better, like a work work schedule kind of thing. It also mm-hmm. might help the parents so they don't need to worry about, okay, I, the kid's going to come home. I'm not home. They need to, a latchkey kind of situation. I just think it might be a better way in general. I'm noticing it at one of the schools where I walk by the the kids are usually arriving around 845 in the morning. And this right. is uh, first through sixth grade, I believe it is. Um, I mean, and so I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't I have no skin in the game when it comes to that. As far as a day to day thing, I do have skin in the game as soon as they become adults. Exactly. And the right. four day, the four day week, I think, is fantastic. It gives the kids time to do homework if they have it over the weekend. It also gives them time to rest and enjoy their lives. They're kids. They should be able to enjoy their lives. One of the many, many after effects of COVID might be that our society switches both in the workplace and um, on schools for a four day week. Adam, what do you think about this? It doesn't seem to be hurting productivity. It seems like happier, healthier, more rested, saner people do better work at school or at their jobs. Absolutely. Listen, I love working from home. It makes nooners so much easier. Uh, I can just <laughs> slip it right in uh, during my lunch hour. But honestly, yeah. though, I am on my lunch hour right now. I'm doing this interview with you in the middle of a workday because this is my workplace now. Nice. And it has been ever since the pandemic started. And I think it is one of the, you know, the pandemic was horrible. And, you know, there was a lot of, of undue suffering. But one of the gifts of the pandemic, aside from the death of Herman Cain, is that we oh, get to rethink oh, how we do everything. <laughs> we get to rethink how we do everything, work, school, yeah. lifestyle. Uh, I, I, you know, we have these staff meetings where we talk about our experience working from home. And I say to my boss, my work-life balance is 10 times better. And yet I am getting more work done. I am yes. working. I'm doing more work for the company that I work for while also having more time to walk my dog and do my laundry and go to the gym and go food shopping. And as far as kids, when I think about like what my life was like in high school, it was incredibly stressful. And having this long school day followed by a long early evening of after school activities, followed by a long night of homework and then trying to cram in five or six hours of sleep at a time, like Jody said, when you need the most sleep, in mm-hmm. your life, it's kind of cruel, and it may account for why there's so much depression uh, and angst among among young people. So I'm for anything that makes their lives more manageable. I think so too. If it's not impacting test scores and their grades, then I think this it really needs to be explored. And also, it turns out that shorter school days and shorter school weeks are solving um, a lot of teacher shortage problems. Around 10 percent of teaching positions were unfilled in the majority of school districts at the start of this school year, reducing the time in school takes a lot of burden off of that hiring problem. So yeah, I, I think it's great all around and it's just fascinating seeing how we're we're still evolving. I mean, Zoom comedy seems to have gone away, but otherwise the culture is still finding its footing and, and you know, people well, are still rethinking I've, I've a, everything. And Go ahead, Jody. I have I, a job I had years ago. We worked out of our homes until they finally got an office. And it was just, it was a short work day. I mean, we got there at like seven in the morning and we were done by two, which I loved. Um, But what I found was when I was working out of my house, it was, I was on call 24 seven, but not getting money for 24 seven. So I think that's the bad thing for people that work from home. You need to make sure that when you get that job, if it's a work from home job that you work, you are on the clock at X x hour of the day and you are off the clock at x hour of the day and you are not expected to answer emails between the other times of the day yes because otherwise they take advantage of you and they expect you to be 
on call 24 seven and, and that's wrong. And they also want to pay you less because you're not commuting and you're not doing, you know, and that's, that's also not right. They need to pay you the proper amount of money they would pay you if you were coming in and doing your job. And the, what I've also noticed that's when right. I did my job at my old gig, 40 hours is too many hours a week. I can do 40 hours of work in about 25. Thank you very much. That's a lot it. of it's just busy work. So you look busy. Well, how much um, so, of it's commuting time? Think about this. How much more productivity yeah. can you have if your workers aren't spending two or more hours a day in a car or on a train somewhere? I agree. And saving money. Mm-hmm. It costs me so much less to work at home. I cook all my own food. I walk my own dog. I'm not paying for subways. It's like, you know, it's like getting a, a giant raise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, my wife is really hung up on this issue, and she sent me this article from a Business Insider this week about the real reason why bosses are freaked out by remote work. Ask these executives why they're pushing, come back to the office so hard, and you'll get some HR-concocted jumble of productivity and creativity and culture. But their less filtered peers will tell you what they really think. Jamie Dimon said working from home doesn't work for those who want to hustle. Elon Musk said employees must commit to extremely hardcore schedule consisting of long hours at high intensity. They're all all saying more or less that these are CEOs who like being bosses and they like going to work and having people kiss their ass all day. And that's mm-hmm. the that's real right. reason mm-hmm. why the patriarchal corporate culture is terrified, because without CEOs to strut around, what's the point of being a CEO? Yeah, it's all about power mm-hmm. and, and about people who love to have meetings. Exactly. I hate for no reason. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. They're such a fucking waste of time. Even Zoom meetings are a waste of time. But at least, you know, you can do something else while you're having the Zoom meeting. In my case, masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been working from home for three years now. And Thea and I get to go into to work one night a week and it's completely empty. And we it's always the Overlook Hotel from The Shining at Sirius XM. So. You know, uh, that's that's as a parent, John, that must be so great for you to be able to spend so much more time with your kid. It varies. I mean, we moved to this uh, lovely time slot right before COVID happened. So it was already kind of weird, but I would have had more time with my kid no matter what because of the time slot. But, you know, for me, it's a real it's a real divide because this is a creative job. And as a creative person, I like that experience of leaving my house, going someplace and being around other people. I love doing this with you guys on Zoom. You're both very attractive and you know how to light yourself well. But there's something about being in the room with other people in the studio. Yeah. You both do it all the time where you know you have that energy. It's like Zoom comedy. You didn't have the energy of the audience. So, like, I, I'm weird because I'm an introvert, but I also need to be around people to get energy. So I'm both at the same time. And and so I, I, I guess my hybrid life, I, I, I'm waiting for it to be a, a bit more hybrid-y. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think entertainment slash broadcasting is a special thing. Yeah. Um, I did my podcast from home every week for months during the shutdown. And when we were finally able to get back into the studio, we just it was such a joy to be able to see each other and see our guests in person and, and read each other's faces. And there is something that's lost when you're just looking at a screen. Yeah. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is progress. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, And I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight. Because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress after dark. Let me shift uh, to Twitter (laughs) because it's still there. And I just I'm asking smart people what they think this week. Critics were accusing Elon of anti-Semitism because he tweeted uh, that George Soros reminds me of Magneto. Now, those who don't remember in the first 
uh, uh, X-Men movie. Magneto is Ian McKellen's character. He's a Jewish child in Auschwitz, and he uses his powers Mm -hmm. to survive in Auschwitz. And they compared Mm -hmm. the Jewish billionaire who fought communism for years to to Magneto. Uh, Then he later said, I'd like to apologize for this post. And then he tweeted again, it was really unfair to Magneto. It sort of seems like this this weekly performative piece of psycho bullshit to freak out Tesla investors is something we're all very used to. But what happened to this site? I'm starting to think that Twitter's like a mob restaurant burned down for the insurance money or that the Saudis gave Elon forty four billion dollars to buy it so they could more or less divide us even more. The verified feed used to be a place I would go to see what celebrities or news organizations Mm -hmm. or world leaders were saying about certain things because I knew they were who they said they were. Now the verified feed is where guys who hide their names and faces are calling me a cuck and telling me Trump won the election. Like, I've never seen a business collapse like this. Are you guys still using it, Jody? I I do on occasion. Now I'm just kind of in a word word game hole. I don't really go there that much. Um, I only go to the feed where I, where I'm following, like who I'm right. following. Right. Sometimes I go to the for you because sometimes people I'm following are on that side, but I don't. I don't like. I've I've muted Marjorie Three Toes because fuck her. Um, <laughs> and and I, anybody that that like somebody the other day posted that I was going to be arrested. You're go- going to be arrested with my, and I'm like, what did, and I'm trying to see what I said and there was nothing. I'm like, okay, you're <laughs> muted. Um, what I do. Um, that you and gonna, I don't pay attention you to you were going to be arrested. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, it, I, and he wasn't replying to me. It was just to me. I'm like, okay, what did I do? Let me wow. know. Um, Congratulations. And so I muted him and I know it's fantastic. It's almost as good as the one person who said years ago, I, it was an old profile pic of me. And he said, I look like a Chernobyl victim. And so I replied back saying, Oh, you mean I'm thin? Thank you. So much. <laughs> um, I've, I've been get, trying to get down to my birth weight. Um, so I don't pay attention to trolls because it's boring. Don't feed the trolls. They bore yeah. me. They, they, they really do. just, they don't anger me because I don't take it seriously. And I, there's I, a new study out, I believe 50% of people, 50% of people on, on social media are bots now. So I really don't yeah. pay attention unless I know the person. That's really true. I'll, I'll use a troll. Like if they say something really special that I think I can comment on this and, and get a laugh or make someone smile or make a point or show how to refute a common tropey argument, I'll, I'll do it in that sense. But yeah, if you see someone that has an account since 2009 and they have 22 followers and it's nothing but yeah. right wing propaganda in their feed, you know, you're not dealing with a person. Right. A- right. Adam, Absolutely. how are you enjoying uh, Twitter in the, the Gilded Age? So, you know, pre-Musk... I was a very, very active Twitter user. I I probably use Twitter more than any other platform for years. Um, And I enjoyed it when, you know, the fans of Gino Bisconti and Aaron Berg would would write, Adam Sank has AIDS over and over and over again. That was fun for me. Good times. Um, Good times. Yeah. But, you know, because I made the mistake of doing their podcast once and, uh, you know, letting them know that I thought Trump actually did lose the election. Uh, (laughs) Therefore, I have AIDS. But uh, I'm 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 a groomer cuck. But go on, please. For me, the for me the final straw with Elon was the day he tweeted, "My pronouns are prosecute Fauci." Yeah. Right. And I just kind of I don't know why that wasn't necessarily the worst thing he did. It was just the final straw. I just said I cannot monetize. I can't help monetize this platform anymore by by participating in it. And I was going to delete my account. And then I read an article that said, don't delete your account because after 30 days, someone can take your old handle. You know, someone could be at Adam Sank and create a whole new account and pretend to be you. So instead, I locked it. I I unfollowed everybody. I tried to delete all my old tweets. And now, honestly, I like today I just tweeted because I felt compelled to. There's so many uh, laws being passed in red states that uh, deny gender affirming care to trans kids. And it's, it's so deeply troubling to me that I just, I had to get on and tweet, you know, denying uh, gender affirming care to trans children is not going to make a single person's life better, but it is going to make a lot of people's lives unlivable. Nice. But the main reason I go on Twitter these days is just to read what people are saying about Vanderpump rules. If I'm being honest, (laughs) I have to know what they're saying about the scandal. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't watch that. So I was like, what is this about? And I'm reading, I'm like, I don't understand. I, I see the words. I understand them individually, but I don't understand them in a row. Jody, can I tell you, even if you've never watched a second, watch the season finale of Vanderpump Rules. I guarantee you it is the most compelling hour of television you've ever seen. Okay. It is, it is, it is the roots of reality TV. Oh that's how my good it God. Is. Oh my God. <laughs> that's which quite, means, that's quite a, uh, that's which quite means a, I guess Alex uh, Haley wrote it and stole it from somewhere else. So yeah, that's, that's how I think <laughs> it is. Um, my God, I, I, I don't even know how to follow it. I mean, for me, Twitter has been, <laughs> you know, a ruin since David Crosby and Lance Reddick died. Uh, it's, it's dead to me now because those two guys are gone, but like, I can't even, yeah. I mean, I can't even find the people I want to find anymore. You know, I, Jody, I can't find Rob Reiner. I can't find anyone because unless there's someone who's, yeah, you know, I haven't seen, yeah, paid, paid the billionaire $8 for check, a blue check. Done, yeah. Unless yeah, they've paid yeah. the billionaire $8 for a blue check or you're like Ben Midler, who much respect groveled publicly to Elon to get her blue check back and got it so much for their I haven't heard from Carl Reiner in months. It's been a while. Wow. I'm worried about Carl. Yeah, that'd be um, tough. That'd be tough. But he's here's, a tough, here's the question. He's a tough what, what is our new platform? I'm on Tribal. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Post. None of them seem to be. Uh, I'm on Spoutable. Spoutable? I'm on yeah, all of Chris those. Yeah, Chris Boozy started it. Spoutable. Maybe I'm I'll on check Tribal. that out. I'm on Post. Mm -hmm. I'm on Counter Social. I'm on Blue Sky. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to get approved for Friendster. That's that's where I'm at. I'm <laughs> spread out pretty thin I, these days. I'm and so somebody should bring Friendster back. <laughs> I'm so desperate for likes. Favorite. I started using my old LinkedIn account, people. That's how lonely I am. That's how much attention I need. LinkedIn, which comedians never We need use. to find somebody that writes code and knows how to and, and just call the thing time suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I mean, or just well, suck. Do you guys yeah, have just suck? Do you have any theory on Elon Musk? Like, like it, it just kind of seems that this is uh, the nerd who achieved everything. And once he became the richest man in the world, he decided he was going to blow it all to appear cool to mediocre men. You know, like the Tucker way. You fight your whole I, life to mm -hmm. try to make mediocre guys think you're cool. I, I, I don't really see. I mean, Elon was lying when he said it was about free speech and his covering up for the government of Turkey this last two weeks proves it was never about free speech for him. Is it just about vanity or was did someone hire him to just drive a, a stake into the heart of public discourse in America online uh, entertainment? I think he's nuts. I think he's an yeah. egomaniac and a nut. I think he's kind of he's a little bit Trumpy. He's a little bit like that. Who's that tech billionaire who's like a, a gay uh, conservative Peter Thiel. Peter, he's a little oh, bit Peter are. Thiel, but I don't think he knows what he's doing from minute to minute. And it's going to be interesting to see if this new CEO, who seems like a fairly reasonable person, and her her forte is supposed to be the, her ability to attract advertisers. Can she bring advertisers back to that platform after they've left uh. in droves? It's going to be <laughs> very very challenging. I think yeah. he's made this the platform lose all credibility. To yeah. me, it's like when, when Vladimir Putin took four years and made Dmitry Medvedev the president of Russia and Putin was pretending he wasn't running Russia anymore because he had his puppet as president. That's what this looks like. As long as Elon Musk is still tweeting, the perception of advertisers and Tesla investors will be mm -hmm. that Elon is running Twitter. Remember, every time someone asks the press office at Twitter a question, they get a response that is a poop emoji. Oh. That yeah. is literally... A, a response from the official mm -hmm. press office of Twitter. You can't run an organization like that. That that's not a sustainable model. No, no. You you also can't run an organization I, when you refuse to pay the rent for three months as well, Jody. There's that too. Yeah, I muted Elon. By the way, I don't see any of his tweets. I think oh. I blocked him. I'm still I'm still waiting for Elon uh, to announce an out of wedlock child with Herschel Walker. That that's that's my peak 2022 <laughs> moment. I'm still living for. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Hey, listen, while I still have you, unpopular opinions. Do you, do you have any? Because mine is that maybe Feinstein knows what she's doing and is doing this to approve judges and that it's not elder abuse. And boy, have I caught it this week. Adam, what's your unpopular opinion? I have the opposite opinion. I think Feinstein should be driven out to the desert and told... 
This is the Senate now. I think, that's, your, a popular, I think that's a popular opinion. I think that's very This is popular. your desk. You just do what you need to do out here. We're going to bring you food and water twice a day. <laughs> Jody, what's your unpopular? Mine case? has nothing to do. Mine has nothing to do with anything current. Mine has to do with the fact that I never liked the TV show Seinfeld. Really? Oh, please, please go, go on. Go on. My biggest gripe with it was how they sold the show to the public that it was about nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't write something if it's about nothing. So first okay. off, that's a lie. Secondly, none of the characters <laughs> were nice or redeemable and not in a, like a good, bad way, just like in a kind of eh way. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the and, critique on the and finale. And I watched, and I, I, that's the only show I watched. And I, all I needed to watch was that show because it was a Wait, clip you, show. You, you've, you've only watched one episode of Seinfeld in your life? All the way through, yeah. Wow. Now, I'm not going to begrudge it nine years. I mean, it was a huge hit. I'm not going to begrudge it. You know, like uh, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Never saw an episode. Huge hit. Not going to begrudge it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I will say the finale. Don't judge the entire series by the finale because even Seinfeld diehard fans hated that finale. Watch the episode The Contest and judge it by that. Yeah. I think I I saw part of it. It was it was funny. I will say (laughs) I didn't. I liked Seinfeld. I did not love it. Until I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Once you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and you sort of get Larry David's mindset, Seinfeld becomes even more delicious. You realize that Seinfeld was the show he had to make to make Curb. Yeah, I I think Curb's a better show. I agree. But the Curb season that was the Curb season that was all about the Seinfeld reunion was absolutely brilliant. Hilarious, as was yeah. the one that was about the producers, where they, where exactly. Larry takes mm-hmm. over for the role <laughs> of uh, Nathan, of uh, Max B. Alleystock in the producers. We really got like a, a minute left, but has anything inspired you guys culturally lately that our listeners should know about? Any any videos or books or films or activism or theater or op eds or what? What should our listeners know about that's been turning you on? Yes, I just watched every episode of Beef on Netflix with Ali Wong. It is a fantastic series. The best scripted drama I've seen in 2023. Amazing storytelling, amazing acting. Uh, I I recommend it highly. Very nice. Miss Jody Hamilton. Um, I I didn't want to embarrass Victor last week, but Gen Z, they are goddesses and gods uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, They inspire me and I hope that that they're inspiring others because without them, we we are nothing without them. (laughs) We're fucked without them right now. I completely agree. Jody Hamilton, what's the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Well, on Spatable, I'm Joe Hams. um, And on the the Twitter machine, I'm from the Bunker JR. And you can find me at uh, MSW Media from the Bunker R podcast. Mr. Adam Sank, how do we keep up and stalk you? Well, first of all, how do you know, John? I did host a major event last night. I hosted a fundraiser for the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. I saw that. You were back on stage. Thank you. Yes, I was back on stage for a good cause. And in September, I will be heading down to Wilton Manors, Florida, if it's still legal for a gay man to enter the state at that point, (laughs) and uh, performing a, a number of shows called Bad Dates at the Wilton Theater Factory. More details coming on my social media and website as the nice. uh, as we get closer to it. Well, I look forward to getting you back on the show more as we get closer to it as well. Jody, my, I'm always just trying to get Adam to come out of retirement, and I usually succeed several times a year. Thank you both so much Thanks, for John. joining us. Thank it's great you. great to see you, and have a great weekend. we got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelson. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.